Welcome to Dina Wiggins on the Mystical Sisterhood podcast today. Dina is a purpose doula, which you will find out what that means, a master, soulful facilitator, and a global purpose leader. Dina absolutely brings her energy and passion to this conversation today. She allows us into her life and some things that have unfolded for her that led to her own awakening. It's incredibly inspiring and it's led to her work and helping supporting individuals find their spark within. Uh, spark, I believe, she believes, is just waiting to come out. Her body of work is so extensive and her energy is palpable. So I hope you enjoy this, this conversation that's just filled and loaded with so many goodies. And I just look forward to hearing your feedback on the episode. I enjoyed it so much. So with that, we'll go to the episode. Thanks for being here. Hey there, welcome to Mystical Sisterhood. This is your host, Maureen Spielman. I started this show to highlight the intuitives, healers, and other courageous women that I've met along my journey and continue to meet. Through amazing interviews, I seek to ask insightful questions to uncover ways in which you, the listener, can apply the wisdom and knowledge to your own life. I believe that we're all in this together, so sharing healing and joy and bringing community together is both my passion and purpose. If you'd like to learn more about the Mystical Sisterhood community I'm building, please visit www.mysticalsisterhood.com. See you in the episode. Welcome, Dina Wiggins, to Mystical Sisterhood. You and I had the pleasure of meeting through our dear friend and your colleague, Susan Lucci, from episode nine for our listeners. I'm just welcoming you here and so interested in what you have to share with our audience around purpose, around igniting the divine gifts within, and um, sharing with our audience the modalities that you've tapped into in order to discover these gifts within. I think that we can never hear enough of these messages, and I, I get so excited because of the uniqueness that you're bringing to the conversation and to the table. And it's going to be just what it's meant to be. But I say welcome. And I I just am so excited for you to be here. Oh, wow. I am delighted to be here with you. I absolutely love the interview that you did with Susan. Um, it didn't feel like an interview. It felt like this conversation, like we were all just kind of hanging out <laughs> in someone's living room or like around a bonfire or something and just having this juicy conversation. Mm -hmm. It felt extremely invitational. And I just want to say thank you, um, Maureen, for following your spark, um, creating this place and having all of these wonderful conversations for us to connect and find each other. And just to really believe in like what's up in our lives. Mm. Um, so yeah. thank you. Yeah, of course. And I, thanks for reflecting that back to me. It's always a valuable reflection to me. I think that when we spoke the other day, I, I have been years in the making of what came to be, but I didn't know it. I didn't know what was happening along the way I had periods of 
I feel like intense frustration with myself for not being somewhere this, this, you know, this place that I had in my mind that I was supposed to be. And I think that, I don't know if I alluded it to it in Susan Lucci's episode, but just that, that I was just so lost for so long and I didn't have any reflection or, or, or knowing because I just didn't know how to tap into the fact that what I was doing at the time was exactly where I needed to be. I wish that I would have had known that at the time, but um, that even if the things, well, I know it all does, but like the bigger things that contributed to this um, birthing of mystical sisterhood were, they were happening in perfect order and they, they actually were big pieces to my story. And um yeah, I'll just kind of start with that. You know, I know when I look at your website, Dina, it's wide ranging, but how did you begin and how did you kind of come to this work to begin with? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just such a great question. So I think similar to you, it was this weaving. It wasn't like this finite point that like had this like linear plot. Um but I just think that um, life was speaking to me. And over a period of time, I kind of recognized it, but I recognized it in what I call the rear view mirror wisdom. Mm-hmm. So it was like after some time had passed and then I look back and I'm like, oh, wow, that's what that was. And so initially it was just like this awe to recognize the pattern. And over time, it turned into like what you were saying is frustration because I was like, how do I sync up with this? Because the thing that was tugging at my heart were like missing connection or like missing this divine timing or um, just these um, opportunities. And I said, wow, I really want to sync up with that. And I think that whomever hears that heard that and believed it when I said it, because it was like all of these things happened, but it was a bumpy road. It was a really bumpy road. And so um, I think for me, one of the pivotal um, points in my life happened when I thought things were coming together. And I had this um, tendency that came from my childhood that wanted to have a happy ending, that wanted to have this like tie a nice bow around it and all of this like really difficult stuff had meaning or whatever. And then it, you know, end, it ends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And life has been showing me throughout the years, it doesn't work that way. Every ending is a new beginning. Mm -hmm. And so it's more of like a spiral. It's not like that. And so I think now that led to my work really being around, you know, how do we stay with that? How do we stay in the mystery? How do we stay in the inquiry, if that's true? And being like really more experiential. But the pathway that led to that was actually having a stroke um, in my early 40s that um, happened at, I don't know if there's ever a time when you can think of having like a major um, health wake up call. Mm-hmm. But this one happened after being laid off 
from a job that I loved. I thought I had arrived. I thought I I was working for a consultancy that was a conscientious consultancy specializing in change management in mm-hmm. a way that was the most integrated that I had ever experienced at that point. And I was like, oh my gosh, I found my people. Like this is it. And it was it until it wasn't it. And after that experience, um, I thought, oh, wow, this time I'm going to go have this European vacation with my family. Um, When I went to grad school, I went to grad school and studied abroad. And I just wanted my family to have some of the rich experience that I had with my Mm -hmm. cohort. And that was like this dream that I had been manifesting. Right. So you've seen this pattern, Mm -hmm. nice bows or whatever. And it unraveled. When I realized that I was having, um, I was in the midst of a stroke that no one could identify, like what was really the catalyst. Yeah. So it was one of those inquiries that like knocks you down. It's no finite answer. And then my body started talking to me in a way that I recognized my body was talking to me. Mm-hmm. And if I'm honest, it was probably talking to me for a while. Yes. And I just wasn't listening. Because I was so attuned to um, kind of what you were talking about, Maureen, of like this definition of success mm-hmm. and just like, OK, um, if I get the degrees, if I um, am just like this super duper employee doing all the things, crossing um, all the T's, dotting all the I's, um, having all the right relationships, that um, my life would flourish in a way. And in doing those things, I realized now looking back that I was moving further and further and further away from my authenticity Mm -hmm. and putting on the mask and doing all the things that some well-meaning mentors were telling me to do to fit into a world instead of being a part of what is changing the world, not only for me, but for countless other people beyond me, behind me, so they wouldn't have to experience that type of um, switching to get ahead. And my body was keeping score of all of this, as well as all of the unresolved um, hurts and boo-boos that I had early on in my life. Um, And so the stroke happened Um, I lost half of my vision at that time. And then I would have these experiences where whatever was happening was a process that was spreading to my other eye. And so in those moments, it was like nothing else um, could penetrate this invitation to like really slow down and pay attention. Wow. And so that was like a journey of 18 months. Mm -hmm. And during those 18 months, I was reflecting back and just saying, wait a minute, what is happening? And I was kind of getting what I call downloads, which are these understandings that are be that were welcoming to welcoming me to a different level of consciousness that was just like, wow, you've been carrying a lot of stress. Yeah. Wow. You've been carrying a lot of should have, supposed to, <laughs> wish I did, all these things. And they're manifesting in your body. And this was not the first time that I experienced that I had had some breast cancer scares. And the download that I got then was these are pockets of anger 
that need to be released from your body. It's not what you think it is. And so here was another, you know, invitation to like, what is my body really telling me? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I connected with like um, the beautiful work of Louise Hay. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like these different ways of like decoding, like what was happening. And I remember one day vividly that I was in my um, family room on this day and I had begun this soap backstory, I um, worked in facilitation and strategy. So I leaned a lot on the analytics side of myself. And so I was doing all this thing, mapping with these sticky notes and doing all these things to like map out my life. And one day in my family room, all of the sticky notes lost the glue on the back, (laughs) fell to the floor. And I was at a ball just like sobbing, like, oh oh my gosh, I've been working on this for months. Oh my gosh, it was just starting to make sense. And in that moment was just like the boom that happened. And I just said, I just spoke out to the world and just said, I want to know the truth. I want to know what's real. I want to stop making these house these houses of cards that when they collapse, it's like a good thing to get you through some moments, but at a period of time they collapse. Yes. And it's really hard to get back up after that happens. And my life changed. Oh, yes. Thank you for the whole backstory or not even the whole of it, but just all of that because I think that You know, I'll just say that even when I was looking at your website, Dina, you know, the thing about these conversations that's so valuable is to take people back in time because I was thinking about it and like, oh, my gosh, she's got all these resources. Look at all she's done. And people might say, oh, she's got it all together. And we still know we're a work in progress, of course. But we you, you started there and just the incredible innate wisdom of your body saying, dropping the whispers across time, but then saying, oh, we might have to do something a little more to get this woman's attention here. And, but then listening, I'm curious about the downloads. Um, Did you find, cause you, so you had, I want you to say more about the downloads and how those came to you so that people have an idea of what those could look like. And then also you were, also reaching for some external tools like books and things to maybe teach you new new ways of looking at the world or uh, new skill sets. But yeah. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. got these amazing stories. So there is something that I think kind of began when I was a child, about nine years old, um, that was just like... Um, what I would call a download, which is like something coming into my consciousness. So imagine it's nine years old, mm-hmm. not being in a safe environment. And I spent a lot of time in my room. And because something was presencing itself to me when I would go into this room and was just like giving me these different games to play. And these different games that I was playing actually are like foundational to some of my books, my programs and everything, because I've been playing with them for most of my life. I'm 54 now. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. the first one I can think of is like, what's so special about today? And it was teaching me to like focus on one source of gratitude throughout the day, which would just lead to another and lead to another and lead to another. And so um, my room 
And that contemplative time ended up being magical. Mm -hmm. Did you have a way of writing it down or did you have a way of recording it? I would write it it down. I did did nine. So I would just like, it was just enough to know that um, in the middle of like a really, really, really hard time, really hard, really serious stuff that caused me to be um, displaced from my home for a while. I'm so, I mean, serious stuff. Mm -hmm. But yet there was a spark that was still there. And for me, that spark started with gratitude. Then the downloads taught me about synchronicity because like literally there were certain, I am musically inclined. And so there were certain songs that would just like take me someplace else. 70s, great music, but just would Mm -hmm. take me someplace else. And I would turn and it would be station from station to station. And I was just like, this is being gifted to me in this moment. I just knew that it was, I didn't know the word synchronicity at nine, Mm -hmm. but I knew that something was happening to let me know you're not alone. And it was just like feeding my spirit and allowing me to be um, joyous in a time that, you know, would defy logic Mm -hmm. in in the moment. And so um, that was like my first, and I never told anyone about it, which was interesting. Yeah. Um, and it, it wasn't um, a fear. It was just like, I just accepted it as my reality. I just didn't <laughs> think about it, you know? And so um, as I got older, what I learned is that like life speaks to me in sparks and nudges. And so what sparks and nudges um, feel like someone wrote in a book once that voice that you hear when you're at the grocery store, that says, um, go down this aisle and get this thing or, you know, whatever. And it's not on your list. It's not where you plan to go. But if you listen to it, you figure out why you're on that aisle. Yes. If you don't listen to it, you get home and you're like, <laughs> you know, and so I was just like, wow. So it went from frustration with with experiences like that to let me stop and pay attention. So I would assert that um, the same way, well, not the same way, but that availability is available to all of us in different ways. Mm-hmm. And so a part of the childlike wonder and curiosity is like, what's my spark? I call it spark language. What? is the way that life knows how to get my attention yes, and to share things with me that are for me. So it's like the embodiment of some of the, what I call resonant principles, like the universe has my back, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, life is working for me. Just these yes. things yep. that have a universal value. Mm-hmm. Well, how do they play out on your life? Mm-hmm. And so it goes from being living here to living in the heart, mind, body, because it's like, this is how it happens for me. So for me, I guess I just get um, downloads and I've learned over the years when I am more prone to have mm-hmm. downloads. When I wake when I get awakened at four o'clock in the morning, sometime between four and five, that's my download time. Yeah. I don't know if it's because I'm relaxed. It's a lot of different mm-hmm. um, wisdom traditions that would talk about why that happens at that time. I don't care. Yeah, I'm here for it. So what I do is I will keep my phone close to me. And I learned that when I'm groggy and half awake, I can speak a voice memo. <laughs> I can do something. And then I go back to sleep. Yes. When so, I'm up, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't do that. I don't acknowledge that something's communicating with me. Then I'm up. I'm frustrated. I can't like, oh, I just want to go back to sleep. Something is communicating with me. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. When I'm outside working in the soil, like planting, it's this time of year is so juicy for downloads for me. Um, this is a part of my cycle. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I know I have to get out. I have to get my hands in the ground. I have to plant. I have to prune. I have to do this. And I just have clarity and I can hear. You you just Some become other- that that open vessel, right? You just exactly. begin your and you're when you're open to receive it, I feel like you're not pushing it away. There's just mm-hmm. you're just creating a, a through line to receive, which is so important. That reminds me more of the flow, the reception. But I like what you're saying for myself, for the audience, because that's the voice that I didn't used to know was giving me messages, but all the time. And I think Valerie from an, Valerie Wood from an, another episode had talked about, I asked her, how do you know the difference between it's your mind? And I don't know if you have your own answer to this. How do you know the difference between if it's your mind or if it's that channeling? And she said, often sort of like your grocery store aisle, it's like, when it's something so unexpected that just falls into your your pathway, that that's the divinity. That's the the voice coming to you. Absolutely. It's just like you just it's like you hear something and a part of you, it's like you're hearing something new mm-hmm. or it's a new way, a new lens or something. And yet there's a part of you that recognizes it. Yeah. It's just, that's the, mm-hmm. that's the way I can describe it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what um, people mean when they use the word resonant. Mm-hmm. Like it's something that knows, I just believe that this is a time of the great remembering. And so it's like, um, and I think that we have all types of resources that help us to like, remember some things that um we could be disconnected from for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Some reasons could be conditioning, um, just like, you know, um, doing the, where we have um, ancestors, family members doing the best they can to keep us safe. Yeah. And so we, sometimes that safety, um, we sacrifice this other knowing, especially if that's not a part of dominant culture mm-hmm. or, you know, the way that we're supposed to know things. And so it's a, it's any number it's, it's it's any number of reasons, but I think what gives me hope is that we're we're reconnecting. I believe so. And mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I think. And so now because I'm attuned to this, and another thing that we can do um, in terms of our spark is like really break it down when we have these type of moments, and go back as um, a witness to your own experience. So it's like you're in the past and you're in the present and you're almost like um, scribing this experience. So you know what it feels like in your body. Yeah. Because sometimes the body will recognize incoming, mm-hmm. something's coming in, mm-hmm. pay attention before the mind can say, I don't know about that and kind of, you know, steer you off or whatever, but you can actually, as a practice, start to recognize. So I'll recognize, I'll, it'll, it'll feel like butterflies in my stomach. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, let me, hold on. Let me, be, let me just check in. Let me just pay attention or whatever. And it's just my practice. 
um, just so that I can like attune to that. And so that can become more sensitive. And to your question, how do you know the difference between like your mind and this intelligence that's connecting with you? Um, a lot of times my mind will sound like an inner critic. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, it's a different tonal quality. It's loud. Mm-hmm. It's like um, whatever. And it, and it doesn't feel like it lives in me. It feels like, well, it's kind of in me, but it's like, it's just, I don't know. It's just a different feeling. This other voice is more like a soft nudge. That's why I call it sparks and nudges. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. like, um, like a, you know, like a gentle reminder going out seven. Yeah. yeah. It's not saying, Dina, you need to go on out seven. You know, don't be silly. <laughs> you heard what I said. Go. And that's the other voice, right? Yes. And so um, in order to ha- in order to be to hear that small voice, um, that's why I'm saying slow down when you can feel that, like, mm, wait a minute, something got my attention in a way I don't quite understand, but I'm gonna slow down enough just to see if something's there. And if not, I can keep it moving, but I'm acknowledging, acknowledging. Mm -hmm. So if I I can acknowledge in a pause, Mm -hmm. I can acknowledge in writing something down. I can acknowledge in a memo. And I'm telling you, I will tell you that um, the file that I keep in my phone that has the recording of all this stuff that just acts like it doesn't even look like those together. They've ended up being books. Mm -hmm. They've ended up coming together and collecting and becoming programs and things of service that's so that cool. I didn't see. Yeah, yep. That's really amazing. Um, I I love it. The compilation. I've been writing down my dreams a lot like that, and it's interesting you say that because I'll often get up around five and go back to sleep for an hour, and a lot comes to me then as well. But um, it was really important to me in what you're saying. Not only all the beautiful shares, but and I'm testament to this, and I know so many people listening. I was the busy one for so, so long. And I I don't know if it's what you're saying, like this time of great remembering, it feels more, it feels like there's a spaciousness, um, at least coming from me. And I'm, you know, hopeful that we're feeling that as we spread all these messages. And, and I know that I'm slowing down. So in order to receive what I hear you saying, like even when you talk about that pause and that the in-between and the, it's a slowing down. It's mm-hmm. it's a different quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And when you're saying like all the stuff that's on the website and things, like the name of my LLC is Success by Planning. So a lot of me was like wired to like, what's the plan? What's the rollout? What's the, you know, all these things, what are the best practices? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying there's not a space for that, but what's the dance between the structure and the flow. Mm -hmm. And so everything that started happening after that declaration with my sticky notes in the family room has been um, download inspired, if not driven. Yeah. I'm it's serious. All there. Like, I mean, when they say the wisdom is within us, that's it. Mm-hmm. That and it's it's a belief system too that it is there for us. That's a cross. That's a threshold we cross, and we. Mm-hmm. But I think that even as a coaching principle, when I first started getting into coaching, is a the client in front of you has all the wisdom. But these are the messages for me, at least, that keep on getting just over. You know, they, they're cemented more and more and more as the truth and. For me, they're replacing 
maybe some old truths that I thought were true. And it's sort of what you were saying, all the things you believe to be true with uh, the gold shiny bow. And that makes me kind of laugh too, because when we think, when you were sharing your story of, oh, and it was all going to be wrapped up in the bow. It's like, what did we think was after that? You know, like we were done living at 40 or 50 or whatever it is. It's like, no, that's not the purpose. I feel like we're ever evolving, ever unfolding. Yeah. So then talk about too, like, so then when you got to that part of your life after your strokes and after those 18 months, where did you find yourself? And then I know you're saying like it so much came from downloads, but it really got channeled into this more, little more, little more refinement. I don't know if that's really true because I see you as also a broad practitioner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's a both end. And mm-hmm. so it's because it all it all doesn't come in at once. Yeah. It's just like it almost feels like following breadcrumbs that um you know, gather and then next thing you know, you have a loaf of bread, you have a meal. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's almost like the belief um, to, that like, wow, this breadcrumb is for me and I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm just going to have an experience. So a lot of it was experiential. And um, I don't want to chime ahead, but it's like now because of some of the modalities that I use now, mm-hmm. when I look back, it makes even more sense about like why that was so alive for me. Um, yes. But I can say that. It was really about um, just this dance that I was doing where it was like, okay, um, let me go and have an experience with this. And so that's how I kind of like shifted. I was already curious about purpose when I was working in strategy and change management, but it was in the early 2000s. And that conversation, believe it or not, was like, it was a really disruptive conversation, even in my world with this conscious group yeah. and whatever. It was just like, how did you, what do you mean? You know, how do you, you know, I'm just like, I just think that we do. I, did, yeah. I really think that. And I think that when we attune to that, um, it allows us to have a freedom and agency. Mm-hmm. And it, well, how do you do that? I don't know, but I'm really curious about how. I, I like, in other words, my, I think my entry was, um, this is almost like Goldilocks. Like it's not this, I'm yeah. not really sure what it is, mm-hmm. but it's not this. And so it just so happened that after I had my stroke, after those 18 months, after that declaration, I got a download one day and I was doing all of these different, I, I love to research. And so I was researching purpose and just like, you know, getting some thoughts together, reading some books and things like that. I had already had some ideas because of some of the um, programs that I created um, with my one-on-one coaching in the realm of strategy. But it just wasn't crystal to me. And so one day I got a download that said, do a search for purpose and economy. I mean, I heard it. Like, do a search. And when I did, it was the day that the book, The Purpose Economy, came out. Whoa. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It was April the 15th. I can't tell you what year, but I'm telling it was that, like, and I was yes, like, oh, that my directive. Mm. It, I got the book. I read the book. It was crazy. Everybody that I could share it 
um, that survey instrument, the initial version. Yes. You got to go check this out. You got to go check this out. And I was just playing with it. And I was just like, I know what I want to do. I'm taking this to the Department of Labor. I want to hold workshops for displaced employees. Mm. I want them to be able to reimagine themselves, not from jobs and from roles, but from these um these pillars, these inner pillars, and they can just recreate. And I just like, that's where I was. So I was knocking on the door of the people that, um, the, the, um, Aaron Hurst for his business, like, how could, can, can, do I need to have permission? Do I need to have a licensing agreement? What do I need? Because I'm pitching this yeah. to department of labor and then, you know, so forth. So yeah, I, I think it was maybe about two years and I would knock and I was like, they probably think I'm crazy. Like I wasn't <laughs> getting a response. One, and then something told me, send another email. And when I sent this email, I got a response. And the response that I got was, Dina, we're about to open a coaching training wow. for small yeah. businesses. Yes. Would you like to participate? This is the, this yeah. is the um, initiating cohort. Fascinating. Fascinating. And um, I just love, I love all parts of that, the synchrony, synchronicity of that download. And I love what you were saying before to leaning into the experiences that came your way, because I know that's just going back a teeny bit, but I really like it for who's ever meant to listen to this today, because I was wondering what you called it. Sometimes I called a rock bottom um, that, that like skidding out. I, when I had gone through my health journey, I felt I would always say like I felt it was like a time of falling to my knees. It was just it was I was in such surrender. But so many people are experiencing that right now. So what you experienced in your life that led to your reawakening, your rebirthing, what you know, I'm sure you have beautiful names for that. So many people are going through. And so I love how you're describing your almost, I feel, I always think of like the, like, like then you were down here sort of at that bottom. I don't even know if that's correct, but your ascent back, like the step, the steps that got you and really leaning into what life brought your way, but creating it yourself as well. Yeah. I think that creating yourself, I think it's important. I think Maya Angelou talks about this aspect. And she says that, you know, we always wonder at the transformation of the butterfly, mm-hmm. but we don't ask about like what the journey was. And I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. I love and it, so though. I think this is the time to like crawl into the thing and crawl into the journey. So we're not experts. Mm-hmm. We're just people that are sharing our lived experience yes. and are learning some things as a collective. So my self-awareness grows into this collective awareness that's like emergent. Mm -hmm. And so in order to do that, I want to share from the place of not when I have the nice shiny bow, which we can see a lot of that. And I'm not negating that. I'm just noticing there's a lot of that in personal transformation. Mm -hmm. What about when you are, you know, picking yourself up? What about when all your sticky notes fall on the floor, your version of that? where you think, where you're using your best thinking to try to um, reinvent yourself or try to pick yourself up. And it's like, it's not that. Mm-hmm. And so what about that space of awe? Mm-hmm. And I'm calling it awe on purpose. So we have other words like VUCA, like volatile, uncertain, complex. And I think that's true. But I also love this book about awe from someone that's been studying it for 26 years. 
And he talks about how in the awe space and the not knowing, what if we embrace that and just realize that something is trying to come into our frame of reference to give us meaning? We don't have the meaning. We don't have it, Mm -hmm. but we're we're being invited to experience it and to, you know, whatever happens from that point forward. Like I hesitate to even say. Because there's also a tendency of like, once I name it, then I control it. And it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like that's the next move in the dance. It feels like what fit, what feels real and what's like happening right now in my world, in my sandboxes are the recognition of something and the sharing it in the circle and community. Mm-hmm. And then find like, oh my gosh, I've experienced that too. I would call it this, but yeah. And so you just like, oh, wow, I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. And then you can like, you can gather and you can have community. And so it's like moving from that, the expert and moving to the, let's build community around these experiences. Let's have transformational conversations, vulnerable conversations where we're telling the truth about our experience and not in the rush to like, let me see what's there so I can name it and package it and, you know, whatever. It's like, um, what are the understandings yeah. that allow us to really be in this time in our shared history and mm-hmm. that in her story and their story? I just think mm-hmm. that that's like the rhythm of like mm-hmm. right now. And so I talk about that in terms of reps. So instead of making it so analytical and heady, it's like, what are the purpose reps that we're doing right now? So you mentioned a couple that I talk about a lot, like, you know, conditioning and deconditioning, like, um, you know, um, expanding our frame of reference, being able to compost some ideas that um, maybe made sense at a a certain point in time. Maybe I inherited them, but now we're open into like, wow, you know, here's another way of being, here's another lens for that. And that's just a graciousness, a gracious calling in that's allowing us to um, kind of decondition. And again, about that healing with ourselves. And I think that's really important. Like um, Dr. Gabor Mate, I love him. Mm-hmm. And in his book, The Myth of Normal, I just listened to a beautiful conversation that he was having facilitated by his daughter. Beautiful. And so one of the biggest sufferings um, he asserts is this um, lack of belonging to ourselves, not from a narcissistic or like totally individualist way, but just like in order to lend myself to another. Yes. Like I just, the, the process of healing and um, really um, having an authentic sense of belonging and awareness mm-hmm. so that I can even have the presence and the availability and your word, the spaciousness um, to be able to have authentic relations and connections with others. Yeah. And I think when we do that work that he speaks of the inner healing, it is, I know how it's assisted me is to really take responsibility for, you know, just myself. And it has helped if I'm healing myself, I'm projecting on other people less. I'm looking to, I'm looking less to to others to heal something within me. And I I take that on as my work. 
Um, so it is the both and it's, it's the going inner. I love Gabor's work as well. And then I hear you talking a lot about this energy of the collective and having the conversations and the vulnerable spaces. I know this week I have the privilege of assisting someone who's opening up uh, the conversations in a local school about technology. Mm. And it is, it's, and she's going to be doing a little circles in them. Um, also, I love the other day, you have so many, the purpose reps are so beautiful. I loved how you said, I think you used to call yourself a coach, but even that now you're, you're leaning towards doula. Will you tell the audience why? <laughs> yeah, sure. So just in this journey to be the most um, in integrity and in authenticity. And I just really, it's important to me when working with clients that they have an understanding, an idea about the journey, about the experience of working with you. Mm-hmm. And I just was, it's inauthentic for me to say coach. It yeah. just doesn't, it just, I can't do it because I want to honor the sacredness of your journey. When you're talking about, whether you're talking about that journey being um, purpose, whether you're talking about that journey being your personal transformation or the transformation in systems, all of that is deeply sacred work. And there is an, just like, if I want to acknowledge that there's a, an intelligence that's supporting me with downloads and I have a belief system mm-hmm. that that's available for every single person on the planet in the way that makes sense for their design, for their unique fingerprint, mm-hmm. then I've got to say, how do I work in service to that? How do I work in partnership with that? How do I acknowledge that? Um, yes, there are some things that I can provide some, some frameworks and some things, but guess what? We all get to birth our transformations. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's why I think I call all of my programs begin with unlocking because it's like when you unlock you, that's like, um, teaching someone to fish, supporting Mm -hmm. someone learning how to fish, because it's like, wow, I want you to recognize when, when sparks and nudges are coming your way in whatever way is meaningful for you. I want you to discover and unlock your keys to authenticity, your keys to agency, your keys to like, what is mine to do in this precious time that I'm here on this earth at this time? Yeah. Because those things live in you. They will expand in you. They will um, root within you. Um, and that to me is the thing that's important. Not like what is the, because I, I could tell you what I think all day and yes. it can sound really good and yes. it might not be anything yes. close to what's really happening with you because <laughs> yeah. I can't, you know, as, but versus here are some things that may help you to unlock like what's happening with you, your energetic blueprint, your path to purpose journey that um, you can continue to have experiences with. And so that's the thing to me that feels, it just feels like that's the way um, to be. Yeah. And so I say doula Mm -hmm. instead of, instead of coach. It's beautiful. And it's so honoring of the person in front of you. And I think of, gosh, what, how powerful we would be if we held on to some of these things or were taught these things from such an early age. And then I also remembered the initiative you shared with me the other day and I think it was called Purpose 2030. And some of the some of 
the information about that for the audience, but just, I, I just love the premise of it. If you would share. Okay. Yeah. I love sharing it today because it's also part of the story. So purpose 2030 was an initiative that was created. It was a conference. It was a gathering that was created by the folks at imperative. Um, Aaron Hurst, the person that wrote the purpose economy, Mm-hmm. was a co-founder and um, part of the leadership team at Imperative. So um, this is the fir- one of the first um, journeys that I took as a strokester thriver, <laughs> so by myself, <laughs> um, was to Arizona to this conference. And it wasn't like a conference. It was such a um, collaboration, uh, such a we space, a co-creative space. And, you know, we had all these different themes and people were gathering by whatever theme they were called to. And so my theme had to do with, you know, how do we um, expand um, this purpose consciousness? And what really attracted me to that is that I had enough clients, I had enough experience to know, to notice a pattern. And the pattern was most of the clients would go back to an understanding that they had when they were much younger Mm-hmm. that they got disconnected from for whatever reason. And that when they started to explore purpose in their lives and what that really means for them, it was connected to something they understood when they were younger. So the idea was, hmm, what if we really focused on purpose with the next generation? What if we focused on purpose with youth? And you know, what would that look like? If we didn't have to go back and remember, Absolutely. but we actually would, yeah. you know, what would that require? And so I think one of the requirements has to do with the village, especially mm-hmm. with younger peeps. So mm-hmm. um, I, I created um, three books for three different um, milestones and ages. One has to do with like um, pre-K, grade school, and then middle school and high school. So, you know, the younger that we are, and the less conditioning that we have, we kind of have these ideas. And then what if the village was really could see us like lit up, little peeps lit up in this understanding? What would we do to support that? So it's like an embodied experience through the younger people that kind of helps wake us up, wake, wake up the grownups and say, hey, wait a minute. What if my child that came through me has a different purpose, a different way of being, a different understanding, a different way of being in the world. And, um, you know, my best thinking and the way that I'm designed could actually be diverting them from this truth. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's kind of like what went into the origin of like some of those experiences and those workbooks was really to highlight that. And it was just so juicy, juicy. Mm -hmm. I love it. I can, I just, I think of it's the tie in with my conscious parenting training, but just that even this premise of, you know, hold on, hold on. Like you're saying to the spark, to the divine child in front of you, they are here to teach us, us as much as we are them. And what do they have to say and what unique things do they have to say? And I really am excited to read the books. How do you implement, you know, just out doing, doing that work? How do you implement it and kind of offer it to, to society? 
What does that look like? Yeah. So it looks like, um, so I've worked with um, library systems, actually, because mm-hmm. a lot of the library systems and community, they have community-based programs for youth. And so just like, who are the, mm-hmm. um, who are the supporters? Who's like already there? And how can we get those materials to them so that, that can augment like the programs that they already have that are in service to these youth. And like, that's been really effective. Mm -hmm. And also with that, so that's like the group experience, but then also what about the families? Absolutely. Like what about the families that are, it's no, (laughs) let me just say this. So the children's book, all of the books have the same um, experience, like an icky guy experience where mm-hmm. we're looking at um, and exploring ourselves from these multiple lenses that kind of come together. That's like the premise of it. So the idea was that whether we're at the boardroom or whether we're at the dinner table or whether we're sitting in circle, like these things are transferable knowledge and experience. Absolutely. And the answers are there. And even if um, someone thinks it's something because decondition, I love to see younger peeps decondition. I absolutely love it. And so it's like, oh, wow. Sometimes you think of like, this is what my parent or so-and-so would want me to say. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say this. And then they start having an experience with it because I give them these little, um, they had these, I had these little capes or whatever. And this, these clothing be my type of super and you could write whatever your super was in your own language. Um, just that sense of agency kind of leads to, oh, I don't know if it's this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, um, mm-hmm. and, I said, and, and so the end of the workbook says, okay, so if any of these things changes, awareness, any of these things changes, guess what, guess what we do next? We go back. Yeah. And we have, and we have another experience yeah. and we get to try it again. Mm. Yeah. Parents, And caregivers get to put their capes on too, because guess what we can do? We can create experiences that explore, that that support this curiosity. We can create experience like, oh, you're into this? You're curious about this? Oh, what can we do to have this experience for you? Absolutely. And so that growing up with that Uh as a part of your lived experience, um, I think it will um, elicit significant change for us. As I did. Yeah, I do too. And I, I just love sharing that resource and thanks for going into how it's shared. And I, re- <laughs> it's so funny years ago when Susan used to hold the circles at her house, she had a book and she's going to be listening to this and she'll remember what I'm talking about it, but it was more of a soft cover uh, sort of book for younger people, children. And it was about, how the universe was birthed, uh, whatever it was, 13 billion years ago. And I took it and I put it on my table. I can even see your books, even though they span different ages. They're sort of for everybody. <laughs> they, 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 seem, they seem like they'd be really good as coffee table books, because when you have something sitting out like that, with, these books are not just, you know, for young kids. It's for all of us to rediscover right. and reimagine. Um right. I know for the that, kid and eat for the kid in each of us. Yes. And yeah. I and I know we're nearing our the end of our time. I'm so, I know you have the whole realm you work of with human design and the gene keys, which is another fascinating area. Um, and if you want to say a bit about that even before we get off, so the listeners can kind of get an idea of that piece of your work, I'd love it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
So those two, um, they're transmissions. So these were huge downloads that really um, courageous people took and broadly shared before the science could catch up and say, wow, they're onto something. And so a deep, deep, deep bow of gratitude to them. Um, but they, but the human design to me is a way of understanding our energetic blueprint. And we have different ones. And um, just knowing that they're, what the differences are to me is a form of agency. It's also a form of connection to ourselves and to other people because we realize, hey, I'm connected this way. Someone else may be connected a different way yeah. because there are these stories that we're telling each mm -hmm. other about energy vampires. We're telling about, I don't want someone to plug into me and, and all these things. And those are real lived experiences. And I don't want to downplay that. There's so much of a story of understanding. Mm -hmm. And even those experiences are invitations to tap in. And human design is a great way to understand. Some people are like energizer bunnies and we are energized when we're with yeah. them. Yeah. And some people have different roles and we all have a way of connecting to the spark of humanity mm -hmm. in different ways. And that's mm -hmm. human design. Gene Keys is more about helping us to understand the path to purpose journey. It's a journey. It's a spiral journey. It happens over and over again. And when you understand just the knowledge and the imprinting that was bestowed to us at the time that we came into the world mm -hmm. and also about three months prior to that, it's this dance that will just, oh my gosh, it's so juicy. And some of the tensions that we experience as human beings you will find our natural mm -hmm. tensions and they actually work for us. And the Gene Keys is a great modality to understand that dance and to be able to understand what's really happening, you know, in our lives and our relationships with each other, with each other mm -hmm. and how that connects to our overall well-being and prosperity. Uh, beautiful. I can't wait to dive into those um, human design and Gene Keys for myself. I'm so excited. I, I will share with the audience what I shared with you because I was telling Dina that, and my older sister Kelly can relate, we've been so frustrated finding our birth time. And whenever we wanted to do an astrological reading, or I know that the birth time is significant for both human design and gene keys. And, um, oh, I just found out I was born in the state of Indiana, but I gave a call to the health department and she said, the reason that you don't have your birth time is because you've been ordering the short form. So within my state, there's a long form. So if you're anyone out there that's ever had anybody that this is significant for any difficulty finding your birth time, there is a longer form that's usually ordered through the state itself, not the county. So I thought that was kind of fascinating and I've got mine on order. <laughs> yeah. So excited. I know. So Dina, where can people find you? I'll put everything, any link that you have or want me to include on the show notes. But um, yeah, where can they find you? Um, www.dinawiggins.com. And you'll find out about the kids programs. They're called Be Your Type of Super. You'll find out about the app that I've just launched that has um, intros into human design, gene keys, inner development goals, all type of juiciness, because it's really important to me for all of these um, 
beautiful, beautiful understandings to be accessible to as many peeps yeah. as possible. Mm-hmm. And um, you can find out about um, ways to get a private session with me as well. You can start to go on to the website to um, download and participate in the custom report. So all of these um, understandings kind of woven in with human design and gene keys. And I'm super excited about that. Yeah. Thank you. It's all been so juicy, luscious. I love it all. Thank you for being here. And thanks to our listeners for being here. So good to have you, Dina. Mm-hmm. This has been yeah. delicious. Thank you yes. so much. So fun. All right. To our listeners, we'll see you next time. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mystical Sisterhood. If you love what you heard, please visit Apple Podcasts and subscribe and leave a review and share with a friend if you're called to do so. To learn more about my one-on-one coaching programs or join the Mystical Sisterhood membership, visit MaureenSpielman.com or MysticalSisterhood.com. Thanks so much. I'll see you in the next episode.